Eagles Entertainment. Hi, this is Doug Peterson, and you're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast with Dave Spadaro. Hi, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group, Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you on this New Year's Eve. Happy and healthy New Year's to everyone out there. We thank you so much for being part of our Eagles Insider Podcast, and an effort, uh, we, we try to bring you the great content that you want every week on this show, and we've put together a short survey to get your opinion on what you want to hear. So there's a survey linked in this episode's description, if you could please take a couple of minutes to fill it out. I would be ever so grateful. You are the reason this show exists, so your input is essential to making it the best it can be. Help us do that. Please fill out the survey. A great podcast for you today. A little later in the show, we hear from Jim Schwartz, Eagles defensive coordinator, getting ready for Russell Wilson, who has a message for those who will be in attendance on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field for this 440 wildcard weekend kickoff against the Seattle Seahawks. And then Doug Peterson and I go one-on-one talking about the win over the Giants that clinched the NFC East and the state of the Eagles heading into the playoffs. But first, let's visit with the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. What a way to say goodbye to 2019 here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Joined now by the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese, as we get ready for the postseason, Merrill. This is so exciting, isn't it? For the third year in a row. Yeah. And and this is just testament to what an outstanding coach Doug Peterson is. Merrill, it's, let's see, it's the, it's the Patriots, it's the Chiefs, it's the Saints, and it's the Eagles three years in a row. That's it. The new norm. Doug Peterson was right. Yeah. Yeah. And we hope to be playing late into January, into February well, you, 2nd. You'd you like hope. to play in the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, and that can't happen every year. But the fact of the matter is, this team has been elevated. And I don't care if they made it with a 9-7 and seven record. They won the division. They did what they had to, and they won the most critical game of the season on December 22nd against the Cowboys. Merrill, before we talk about the Seattle Seahawks and Sunday. What do you think changed with this football team from, you know, a, a team that was 5 and 7 and really struggling to 9 and 7? For one thing, I think the Miami game woke them up. It dropped the confidence of the fans. Everybody felt horrible flying back from Miami, but it woke them up and it put them in a now or never situation. And then they went through that first Giants game where they were actually down 17 to 3 at the half. But they came back, and Carson Wentz picked this team up, and he carried it on his shoulders, and they won the Giants game in overtime. That provided such a great lift. And then the next week, they had to come from behind to beat the Redskins, but they did it again. And Carson Wentz showed that he could be a come-from-behind quarterback. So you go into the game, and you know this is the season. In fact, many of us knew it in April. When you looked at the schedule and you saw Dallas there on December 22nd and they took it to the Cowboys, they completely shut down Ezekiel Elliott and they won that game going away. I had no doubt that they were going to beat the Giants. And even though it was 17-17 at one point, the defense broke it open with the fumble and the recovery down at the two and then it was off to the playoffs. And this team came up big. And they have a coach that doesn't let them down. This is a coach who, in the darkest days, after the worst defeats, comes in the next day with a very positive attitude 
and it just spreads throughout this team. Will Carson Wentz get any sort of MVP consideration? Should he get any kind of MVP consideration? No, I, I don't think so. Not in a year where we have seen what we have seen from uh, Lamar Jackson. He's been absolutely amazing. So he's the MVP, I think, clear but and consideration. simple. consideration. Okay, well, consideration. In the field. Yeah, he's, I'd say he's in the top ten if you're talking about – but when you're talking MVP, you're probably talking Drew Brees, who despite his injury through a million touchdown passes, you're talking – but Lamar Jackson, first and foremost, was the guy this year. None of them had to do it with three practice squad players – in the finale, on the field, four practice squad players, Perkins, Boston Scott, Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett. But do you think that the people who vote for the MVP go that deeply into it and say, who did he have to throw to? What was the defense doing? What was the weather like on that day? They're looking strictly at the fact that Lamar Jackson won almost every week, ran all over the place, threw touchdown passes. I don't think anybody's in consideration other than Lamar Jackson. All right, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles-Seattle Seahawks Sunday 440. Merrill, I love this matchup for the Eagles. I think the defense comes in feeling very good about itself. Having played Russell Wilson, containing him in that first, certainly all the respect in the world to Russell Wilson, but six sacks, 200 passing yards. It took a trick play and a 58-yard touchdown run to beat the Eagles. I feel like the Eagles defense first has a lot of confidence going into this one. Your thoughts? Well, I think they do, and I think they've been tremendous over the past month. And throughout the season, actually, with very few exceptions, has this defense uh, not stepped up. They've been outstanding. At home, for sure. At home, for sure. A little uh, dicier on the road, but still, this has been a very good defense, and they've missed some pieces. I mean, Jim uh, Schwartz has had to play mix and max with the match and with the secondary most of the season. But here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you that I love this matchup. I'm going to tell you that I feel good about this game and that I feel that the Eagles, if they play well, can win this game. But am I confident? Am I convinced? The answer is no. And the single biggest reason is Russell Wilson. He is a future Hall of Fame quarterback. He has been a Super Bowl MVP. He's been playoff tested numerous times. Should have won a game against, should have won two Super Bowls, except that his coach had the great idea of throwing the football from the one-yard line when all they had to do was give it to beast mode. So he's that good. And because the Eagles held him to a, a minimal number when he was here five weeks ago, makes me even more frightened that Russell Wilson isn't going to have that kind of game again, nor can he be contained that way again. Frightened is such a strong word. Merrill, I am concerned. I think he's that good. I think he's maybe the best quarterback in the league, but I think that the Eagles match up well with Seattle's offensive line, which has struggled. I don't think their wide receivers are great by any means. They're good. Tyler Lockett, quality player. They don't have Josh Gordon. A DK Metcalf is DK taking Metcalf over by is right coming. now. Nice. He uh, missed some catches I, I, in Philadelphia. I'll, I'll match up Rasul Douglas on him. How about that? I like the sized matchup there. Okay. I think that the Eagles stop the run. That's just what they do. They did a nice job on Sunday, other than the one run by Saquon Barkley. And I just feel like the Eagles at home, this defense is a different kind of beast. Well, I, I like a lot of the things you said. I also love the way that Carson Wentz is playing right now with great confidence. And, we'll get to the offense. I'm talking about okay. the Eagles' defense. Okay, the Eagles' defense is playing better, but they're still mixing people around in the secondary. I like the way that Sidney Jones 
has performed during this last month, where he has made big plays, including the game-clinching interception at the Giants. Like a lot of things that are going on, but it's still going to be difficult when you are talking about those receivers that you mentioned. And about again, I, I hate to be repetitious, but I think Russell Wilson is that good. I'm with you, Merrill. I, we got back from uh, MetLife Stadium coming down to the bus. I don't know if you watched Seattle and San Francisco on your computer or on your phone or whatever. I did. They were trailing 13 nothing at halftime, getting absolutely nothing going. And then all of a sudden, Russell Wilson creates offense, and that's what he does. He's never out of the game. The, the thing about Russell Wilson is that he has been doing this his entire career. Are you aware of the fact that seven times this season, Seattle has trailed at halftime? Seven times. And six times they've come back and won the game. So even if the Eagles are up 17-3 to at halftime, don't relax. This is a team that comes from behind regularly, and they have the right quarterback to do it. I guess we could ask the same question of the Eagles' offense, but my final thoughts on the Seattle offense is, don't you think at some point all of these injuries will catch up to Russell Wilson that he doesn't have running backs, he doesn't have an offense, his center's out, his left tackle's out, uh, no Josh Gordon. I mean, doesn't that at some point, the tight end situation's been bad, at some point it has to impact negatively Russell Wilson, no? The answer to that is yes. But I'm not sure that that some point is this week. That's what I don't know. And it, it sounds like, me, Mr. Glass Half Full, is talking from the other vantage point. And I am feeling good about it. And I do love what the Eagles are doing. But I look at the Seattle team and I know what they are capable of. And I think by no means is this game a lock. Oh, the Eagles great. will have to be at their best. Last time Carson Wentz turned it over five times. They can't turn it over two times this week and win. Merrill, that's exactly right. The segue is perfect. Carson Wentz, two interceptions, three fumbles, two of them lost. The Eagles, five giveaways in all against the Seattle Seahawks. They, the hallmark of this four-game winning streak is that they're not turning the football over. And I think that they've got it in their mindset to be much more careful with the football. And I believe that if they don't turn the ball over, they win this game and they feel good in the fourth quarter. I agree. So let's talk about uh, Carson. But wait a minute. I agree that if they it's don't turn this football over – they win this football game. Right. But I don't think that we feel good late in the fourth quarter. Not 34-17 good. This, this, thing is, this thing is going down to the two-minute warning if everything goes well for the Eagles. They're not going to feel good. People aren't going to relax until they're in the parking lot and anticipating their trip to San Francisco. Merrill, it's Tuesday, and we don't know yet Zach Ertz's status. We don't know yet Miles Sanders' status. Do the Eagles need one of those two or both of those players to play to win this game? It would help. It would be a big boost if they had Zach Ertz back. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not optimistic that they will. As far as Miles Sanders is concerned, he probably will be back from what I'm hearing. But the question is, will he be back effectively? You know, we saw Saquon Barkley come back for weeks where he was not the same player after his high ankle injury. Now, I'm not saying that the injury suffered by Miles Sanders was as serious as the injury suffered by Saquon Barkley, but we'll find out if he can be the same player this week. It's only a week after his injury. If he's healthy and he can cut and do all the things he can do, that is indeed a big boost. But in the meantime, a young star is born, and his name is... Boston Scott, and he has been amazing. I'm just not sure that you want him to be the bell cow back 
week after week. Yeah, I think you have to limit a little bit of Boston Scott. Make sure that his strength is that burst, the aggressiveness with which he runs. And the more he gets hit, the more chance he has to lose that aggressiveness and to lose that that little burst, that little difference that he has. Very solidly built guy, but not the biggest player. You want to make sure you keep him in spots. Change of pace back in the passing game, in the screen game, and, and keep him in the open field. I think there's a great role there. You know, a year ago, or two years ago, the Eagles drafted Donnell Pumphrey hoping that he would be the eventually replacement for Darren Sproles. And that did not turn out to be the case. But up came Boston Scott, and he is the perfect replacement. And interesting, because we both looked at the Donnell Pumphrey, and you loved him. Come loved out of him. College. yeah. But then he got here, and he was really slight and, and never could break tackles. This kid breaks tackles. Oh, yeah. This kid low to the ground, powerful running back. Merrill, the, the loss of Brandon Brooks at right guard, significant. Yes, um, we cannot overlook that one. That's the best right guard in the NFL gone for the playoffs. You're right. Maybe the best offensive lineman this year in the NFL. And such a classy guy off the field. I'm sure he'll stay in the facility, he'll attend some meetings, and he will allow his presence to be felt. But without that right guard, you are missing a big piece of the offensive line. That is, as you said, a significant loss. How do you feel about Seattle's defense, Merrill? I think that they're spotty. I think that they're inconsistent. They're no longer the Legion of Doom. There's no Richard Sherman out there or Cam Chancellor. Those guys are long gone, but they can still make plays. It is Tuesday here. We are saying Happy New Year to everyone. What will you remember from the 2019 year from start to finish, Merrill? The double doink, the 2019 regular season. What, do you, what, do you th- what is your theme of 2019 for the Philadelphia Eagles? I think it will be that they survived. That when this team was 5-7 and seven, and it looked like they would be limping through the rest of the season, hoping to be 500, they finished the season with four consecutive wins, survival each and every week, and won it going away against the New York Giants, and that they captured the NFC East. And we begin 2020 with a playoff game. Merle Isn't that Reese, great? It's, it is such a great feeling around here. The Eagles have turned it around, and it, but a... I thought one of the most unusual zigzag journeys of a football season that I've ever experienced. Do you agree? I agree. I agree. Uh, You know what, though, Dave? Start to think about this. What did Doug Peterson do last year? I said last year that what Doug Peterson did was even more remarkable than what he did to help them win the Super Bowl. Because, yeah, you, you won the great crown, you're world champions, you had the parade. But last year, this team was dead in the water after that Dallas game. And Carson Wentz shut down for the rest of the season with a back injury. And yet, Doug brought them together. He just brings so much positive force into this building, onto this field, each and every day, that I think that this is the way the team's going to be heading as long as he's the head coach. I just hope that they head this way without this rash of injuries that just has impacted three straight seasons yeah. here. It's something the Eagles, I know they are looking at, they have to look out. What is happening? Why does this team have so many injuries? Well, somebody asked Doug last week, is this team snake bit? And Doug said, no, we're not snake bit. It's the nature of the game. It's football, and things happen. Personally, I think this team has been a bit snake-bitten over the past couple of years. But first, in the first time, in 2017, they overcame it to the ultimate and won the championship. Last year, they overcame it 
and won a playoff game, and who knows what happens this Sunday. Yeah, well, Eagles and Seattle, 4.40 p.m. kickoff, Lincoln Financial Field, playoff football, Merrill. There is nobody in the world more excited than you. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. I, I know there are going to be 70,000 fans here as excited as me, but uh, I'll tell you, my excitement is right up there. It's sincere. It's from the heart. And you know what? I can't wait for this game to arrive. Merrill, don't party too much tonight. We need your voice strong on Sunday. You will get it. I promise you. Merrill Reese, thank you so much. Happy New Year to you and all of the Reeses and all of your loved ones and friends and family. And let's go get them on Sunday. Thank you, Dave. Merrill Reese on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thank you so much, Merrill. Time now to turn our direction to the coaching staff and head coach Doug Peterson. Coach, congratulations, NFC East champions. I know, I like the shirt. You're yeah, sporting it. Not I like bad. It. Uh, how do you celebrate? Well, tell everybody. On a bus ride back from, <laughs> Metal, exactly. from the Meadowlands, from MetLife Stadium. But no, I mean, I, we celebrated in the locker room, obviously, with the players and coaches and and, uh, and, the, and the staff that was there. And uh, just, a, just a great feeling and a, a sense of accomplishment for what we've gone through and the adversity that we've gone through. But I, I, one of the things that kind of stood out to me as I went around the locker room congratulating the players, and they all – they all pretty much had the same messages, like, Coach, we're, we're, we we got to get ready for next week, and we're moving on to the postseason. And that, to me, shows signs of the, that resiliency of this football team, the commitment that they have made to one another, uh, and the hard work and the, and the preparation that they put in every single week to not only win the NFC East, to kind of fight back, get ourselves in a position to win the NFC East, then win it, put ourselves in a playoff game where everybody's starting over zero and zero, and uh, anything can happen now. Ha- happen now in the postseason. Do you think you did a great coaching job turning this thing around from five and seven to nine and seven? You know, I, I, I they always say the head coach and the quarterback get all the huh? credit and all the blame. I, I just know this that I, I I'm a simple person and I try to keep it as consistent as as I can. Keep the messaging, you know, the same. Just, just come to work every single day. And I think I learned that throughout my, my course of my career as a player and obviously now as a coach. But consistency, honesty, being transparent, and, and leaning on the players, kind of putting things more back on the players, right? And, 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 and on my coaches, on my assistant coaches. And that's that's where I think I'm the most proud of, of my guys and how, how my coaches have, have prepared some of these younger players that have been playing. And then obviously... You know, leaning on the veteran guys, the Carson Wentz, a veteran guy, Jason Kelsey, Jason Peters, you know, Malcolm, Fletch, Rodney. These guys just come, Nigel Bradham, guys just keeping this team together uh, for this last month of the season. So how do you feel? I mean, we now know Brandon Brooks is out for the postseason. How do you feel about this team heading into Seattle here as, as we get ready for the Seahawks? I mean, I still feel good. I, I mean, I think I think I look back and, and where we've come and, and – you know, I, you hate to you hate to say it, but you know, injuries are part of this football game, and you hate to lose any player. Brandon's been a huge part of our success, and 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 to lose him obviously is big for our offensive line. We're hopeful that Elaine Johnson can come back this week and give us you know some valuable time. But you know, it's it's always been the next man up mentality, and and I really feel like you know where we are as a football team that we can overcome just about anything. And and we were faced with adversity the other night in New York with with some of the guys that that left that game. Uh, and we were able to overcome it, and, and guys stepping up and making plays. So I, I do feel comfortable. Obviously, we got to put in the hard work and the preparation again this week. We got to study this opponent. We just played him about five weeks ago, um, so we got to go back and watch that tape and obviously clean up some of the mistakes from that one. I get the next man up mentality, and that's the way. It's, but the next man up does not generally include 13 players from the practice squad. Ten players on Sunday on the game day roster were practice squad players at some point this season. This is 
a remarkable story. You know, it, 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 and again, it goes to show the type of practice squad players that we're bringing into this and onto our team. And I think that's Good point. credit to Howie and, and Andy Weidel and the guys, you know, the personnel guys are bringing in quality, competent players who one day could be on an active roster. And so, you know, that's where it starts, obviously, with them. And then, obviously, when they do get an opportunity, these guys are hungry, they're eager, they want to be coached, they want to learn, and they want to do good. They want to perform because this is their careers on the line. This is their careers that they're putting out on tape. So, you know, they want to put good film out there as well, and they want to help uh, the Philadelphia Eagles win win, win championships and win, and win football games. So um, I was a practice squad player in my career. I know what it's like to, to be on that roster and then, and then ultimately be, be activated and, and helping your team win. It really illustrates, you know, the whole player acquisition thing, draft picks, free agent signings. I mean, there's such a very small little margin players who are the stars and the players who aren't you know it's, play it's the and, and Dave it's part of the messaging going back to training camp that I, I tell the team all the time is that you know you, you, you never know because it's a 53-man roster we understand that but it's it's made up of a bunch of different you got your starters right and you got your your, your role players and your situational players and your practice squad players and 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 everybody has a role everybody has a niche on the football team and you never know because yeah, you may not be the the starting middle linebacker or starting quarterback of the football team, but you know what? You have a role on this football team, and it might be a starter on special teams or or something of that nature. And that's that's what to me brings the team together is you're coaching everybody and not just the eleven on offense or defense. What has Carson gained? Who gets his first playoff experience? This is huge for him. But what has he gained throughout this season? What have you seen from him? What what will last with him? throughout the rest of his career because of this season? I just think how he's just matured in our offense. He's understanding our offense. He's understanding really the players now that, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, the, the players that we have, is, we're not playing with the same guys that we started the first regular season oh, yeah. game with, you know? So we all understand that. But, you know, he's learning how to to trust his guys. He's learning how to communicate with those guys because this is the first time he's thrown passes to most of these guys. So he's, <laughs> he's got to get on the same page with them as do they get on the same page with, with Carson. So they're, they're building a trust, they're building a bond, and, that, and that's kind of what we're seeing. And that leadership style from Carson is really taken over to the rest of the football team. And I think the rest of the team is kind of feeding off of that. And Carson is just saying, hey, guys, I'm going to put you on my back. Follow me. We're going to get this thing done no matter what. When Seattle came to town in November, five giveaways, I know it had to eat at you. What, what do you remember from those five giveaways to Carson interceptions, which hasn't happened much in yeah, a long time? Yeah, you know, yeah, knock on wood. Um, you know, going back and watching that game again, you know, we did put up some good numbers in that game. We just didn't score. Obviously, one, one key stat and then uh, the turnover ratio. You know, and, and the turnovers were, were, were due in, in, in part to some of the disruption that we had in our offensive line, right, mm-hmm. in protection. Uh, Brandon Brooks exited that game. Dillard was playing right tackle. There, there were some things, some moving parts there that kind of, kind of made us kind of have to shift gears just a little bit. And then I looked at it as a play calling, you know, standpoint, and you go, you know what, I, I could have helped our team a little bit better. And I learned from it, you know, uh, from that game moving forward as well. And and so there's a, there's a lot of good takeaways, a lot of positives that 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 I look I take away from that, and and things that we can watch and and, and correct going into this second second time around. It's a good football team. Obviously, we know what they've done all season. They have got some different parts on offense as well. Their running back situation is a little different now. You know, defensively, they're, they're the same, same guys. You know, Clowney didn't play in the first game. We expect him to play in this next game, and he's a very disruptive guy. So, 
uh, it's going to take all hands on deck once again. You know, we'll have a great plan for them and, uh, you know, just look forward to our first uh, home playoff game in, uh, in a while. And Jim Schwartz gets to toss and turn all week thinking about Russell Wilson again. But what a job the first time around. Uh, sacked him six times, 200 passing yards. Uh, do you come back with the same approach here? Give well, a little game plan. Well, you're going to have to, you know, and you're, you're going to have to create, have something new, you know, something that maybe they haven't seen or, or something that could be a little creative to, to disrupt some timing because he's still effective out of the pocket. He's one of the top, you know, scramblers in the National Football League. He throws well on the run. So we got to make sure that we get him and we, when we get a chance to tackle him, we got to put him on the ground. And, uh, you know, if we can have, and, and, you know, hold, if you hold that team to 17 points, you're doing something, right? right. Just means our offense has got to score more than 17. And finally, on this Tuesday, the final day of 2019, we all make our New Year's wishes and our resolutions, and we look forward to a bright, healthy next decade. Well, it's going to start on Sunday for all of us, Eagles-wise anyway. Eagles and the Seahawks, they played five weeks ago. Seattle won that game 17-9. The Eagles crowd has been great this year as the Eagles have compiled a 5-3 and home record at the link. Jim Schwartz, Eagles defensive coordinator, says he wants, desires, would love to have your help on Sunday. You know, I, I, th- I think it's probably what I talked about before. You know, when you go to the playoffs, it's it's more about execution and teamwork and, um, you know, all those things. You know, and, and, and we've been in that situation for about the last month now, you know, and, and our guys understand the stakes that are involved in that kind of stuff. Um, it'll certainly be nice having the home crowd behind us. I think our players do bring, uh, draw some energy from the crowd. It's hard not to feel that. And I've said this before, from the time you park your car in the parking lot, you feel that energy from our, from our stadium. Our players draw on that. So, you know, it's, it's much easier to play at home that way. Russell Wilson is a guy that changes a lot of plays at the line of scrimmage. And I was just watching him against uh, Minnesota, and that game was at home for them. And there's a lot more checks at the line of scrimmage. It's a lot easier to hit, hit, for them to change plays. Our crowd can, can help us that way also. And that will do it for this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you saying, once again, we have a survey attached to the podcast description. Please take a moment to fill it out, provide your feedback, and we will listen to your feedback and put together the kind of content that you want that makes you happy. We don't exist if you don't exist. So thank you very much for filling out that survey. It takes only a couple of moments. Thanks to Trevor Hayes for putting this all together this week. Thanks to all of you for joining and being part of our Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro saying thanks to everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly Eagles fly into 2020. E-A-T-L-E-A!